Red Rocks Church, how we doing? I like it. I like it. We're going to have an awesome weekend at church, so I'm not even going to ask you what you think about that. The Lord and I have already spoken, and it is a done deal, so you might as well enjoy it. Uh, yourself. It won't be a good weekend, though. It never will if we don't say hi to everyone at our Lakewood campus, of course, our Evergreen campus, all of you up north in Arvada, and of course, Littleton. And can we give the most gracious, gracious at all of our campuses round of applause for all the men and women at our God Behind Bars campuses. We just love you guys. So grateful that we get to do church with you guys every weekend, and we just love you, and we're committed uh, to your well-being, and that every weekend you would feel so much hope as you worship with us. Um, we are in the last week of this series, Birthright, and I say something to my kids all the time, and when I say it, they know what I mean. I always go, all right, kids, let's go, let's go out swinging, and that's my way of saying let's finish strong, right? And, and that's the mentality that I was raised with, and that's what I always hope for, and I always want to finish better than I started. And although six weeks seems like a, a long time ago and so much has happened, I'm believing that we're going to finish this series this weekend at all of our campuses better than we started it, okay? You guys, you guys with me on that? All right, so let's do this. At all of our campuses, let's pray, and then let's just invite with, with reverence, awe, and expectancy. Let's invite the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to Lord over this moment. Holy Spirit, we just recognize you as God. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you were sent to us after Jesus finished the work. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our great teacher and our comforter and our encourager and our counselor. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one that guides us into all truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one that, that destroys addiction in people's lives. You're the one that gives freedom in people's lives. Holy Spirit, you're the one that loves to transform us from the inside out. And so we just honor you. And, and God, we just pray that in this service, you would sit so enthroned on the praises of your people. And you would be so pleased with what's happening down here in Denver, Colorado. And it would be all for your glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what we have done, if you're visiting with us, we have spent the last five weeks in Ephesians chapter 1, specifically in verses 3 through 14. So about 11 verses, and we have seen what the Bible says is our birthright, or as Ephesians calls it, our inheritance the minute that you're born again, right? Jesus said in John 3, 3, that unless a man be born again, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But the minute that you are born again, a minute that you are given a completely whole and perfected spirit, you are what the Bible calls a new creation in Christ. And then Ephesians 1 gives us these grand declarations. You should know them by now because we've repeated them every week. Week 1, Ephesians told us that we are saints, no vetting. No making sure that you deserve it or are worthy of it. The minute that you were born again, you're a saint, right? Week two said that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. All of the, all of the stuff God knew about us and all of the, the potential rebellion God knew that we would have and that we would live out in this lifetime. And he still said, if you be born again, I gladly choose you. And then in week three, we saw that because of the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ, you are holy and blameless. And that's unbelievably hard to fathom because you know practically day to day, you don't always feel or act or think very holy or blameless, right? And yet because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, that is exactly at any of our campuses how you stand right now with God if you have been born again. 
Then in week four, we talked about the fact that you have been predestined to be adopted as sons and daughters of the King, Jesus. How awesome is that? And then in week five, it's as if Paul is saying, hey, these implications are so amazing and staggering. I just want you to know this. Uh, Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to now seal those birthrights, that inheritance, to seal it. And he says, to guarantee our inheritance, right? That's what this has been about. And now we get to week six, and I'm just going to follow the text. I'm just going to follow the scripture, and I'm going to end with the ultimate goal that Paul was trying to do in Ephesians chapter one. And I think it might shock, shock some of you because the ultimate goal is what he repeats three times in 11 verses. He says it the first time in verse six. He says this after he just called us saints, holy, blameless. After he just said, we're sons and daughters, he stops and he says what? This. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace. not that awesome? And that's the, that's the whole goal of what Paul's trying to do with that church in Ephesus and what he's trying to do with us in Ephesians chapter 1. He's trying to let us just sit under the overwhelmingly beautiful implications of the gospel and what we get for free simply because we've been born again. And he just says, how can that, if that can't make you praise, then I don't know if you're living. I don't know if you're breathing, right? He says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Then he says it again in verse 12. He says it again, to the praise of his glory. And then he says it again, the very last phrase in what we've been reading in this series. He ends on that same thing. He says it in verse 14. He says, to the praise of his glory. And there's something happening between Paul and the church in Ephesus that we wouldn't understand because we're a little different 2,000 years later. What Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter one has this like seminary. It's kind of a bigger word. It's a, it's two Greek words put together. What Paul's writing in Ephesians one is called a doxology. Again, that's two Greek words put together to mean something. The, the, the word doxa means glory. And what did Paul just say three times to the praise of what his glory, the word doxa means glory. The word logia means a saying or a systematic saying. So when you put doxa and logia together, we get the word doxology. And that simply means a systematic saying about God's glory. And the whole purpose Paul's writing this in Ephesians 1 is that we would sit under the beauty and the weight and the majesty of God's glory. Because Paul knows what the Bible's been trying to teach us since the book of Revelation, that we were created ultimately, your ultimate purpose in life. You never need to question this, Red Rocks Church. Your ultimate purpose in life is onefold. It is to bring glory to God in everything you do. That's why Paul would say in another book, whether you eat, sleep, drink, whatever, do it all to what? Do it all to the glory of God because that's our ultimate purpose. So what we're actually reading in Ephesians 1 to them in the house churches in Ephesus, this was liturgy. This was a song. One of the commentators I read literally said Ephesians 1 is virtually, and I quote, doctrine set to music. And, and, and the question I've been asking through this whole series is, okay, why is Paul opening up a letter with a doxology? Why, when he calls us saints and blameless and holy and sons and daughters and chosen and adopted and all these beautiful things that we have in Christ Jesus, why is he doing that? And the answer is obvious to me. It's because music is the most powerful medium on planet earth to affect the human soul. We haven't been given a medium that is more powerful than music, and that's why Paul is putting this doctrine to music and the church was using it. Nothing penetrates the human soul like music, right? I heard one writer say that music is like the antenna to the human heart. Nothing drives truth home, Red Rocks Church, or lies for that matter, depending on what kind of music you choose to listen to or sing. Nothing drives truth, 
deeper into the human soul than via music. Nothing drives lies into the human soul and spirit more than music, right? It's the universal language. I was on a road trip a a couple months ago with Tyler, the amazing worship leader here at Littleton, and we were on a ministry trip in Florida suffering for Jesus, right? And, uh, And we got into our rental car at the airport, and we had about a half hour drive to get to the destination we were going to. And I had, I had my phone out and I was getting ready to drive and I was typing in the, the destination on my phone and, and the radio came on and it was a Latin station. And Tyler got ready to reach over and change it and I slapped his hand. He's like, what? I want to hear some music. I said, we are. And he goes, I, I want to hear some music I understand. And I go, dude, trust me, if you just give this 30 minutes while we're driving, I promise you by the time we're at the place we're at, you're going to have more joy than you would have had if we wouldn't have listened to this station. There's something about Latino music that just does something to my spirit. I'm not kidding you. God, my wife, my kids is my witness. Other than sports radio, there's not much more in my car I listen to than Latino music. (laughs) And so Tyler looked at me and he goes, I didn't know you spoke Spanish, man. That's cool. I go, I don't. He goes, but you listen to this all the time. I'm like, yeah. Like when they start singing, it can be a Latino lament, and I just feel happy. It could be some, some fella playing a guitar going, and I'm just like, this is amazing. There's just this joy in Latino. I don't know what it is. When you get the, when you, get the you know, the, the band together and all the trumpets playing that they have, and you get the bongos going, and you get these beautiful harmonies going in Latino music, I just can't help but I'm just like, you know, you just like, you just, you just have to do that. That's just my heart telling my body what to do. I'm not kidding. I listened on the way to church today. I listened to a station, and I didn't understand a word they were saying, and I'm super happy right now. Why? Because music transcends everything, every ethnicity. It transcends every race. It transcends every culture. It is the single greatest universal language that we have been given by God, is it not? Why do you think Broadway shows are so popular? It's because they tell these amazing stories with these amazing actors set against the backdrop of what? Against the backdrop of music. Why do you think there's an Oscar given out every year and it's a really extremely important award for the best musical score? Think about some of your favorite movies you've ever watched and go back and watch them without music. Imagine watching a shark attack in Jaws with the TV turned down. It goes from scary and gripping to like cheesy and dumb. And the only thing that changed everything about that moment was dun dun, dun dun, dun dun, dun dun. There's something with that going on in the background that tells the soul what to do, does it not? Something as simple as that. It tells the human soul what to do. It says, hey, you need to be intense right now. Hey, you need to be on the edge of your seat right now. And our souls just respond to that beat and to that cadence. Listen, Proverbs 18.21 says this. It says, the tongue has the power of life and it has the power of death. If you believe that to be true, then think about music. If words have the power to bring life, then I would say this. Music is what brings words life and life to the fullest. That's what I would argue. I say this to our church all the time, and I'll say it again. Music is just words on steroids. If you can speak life into your situation by talking to yourself, you can speak full life into your situation by singing to God. 
There is something so fundamentally powerful about taking music and applying it to your heart. There's a divine transaction that takes place that you cannot get in any other thing that God has given us on planet Earth than when we sing worship and then when we sing praise to God. There is nothing healthier and stronger for the human soul, right? When I hear Jay-Z, right or wrong, I just want to strut a little bit. I can't help it. Right or wrong, when I, when I hear Metallica, right or wrong, I just want to bench press. My bench press goes up 15 pounds immediately. Right or, when I hear Whitney Houston, not right or wrong, right every time, I just want to dance with somebody. <laughs> want to feel the heat with somebody. Oh, right? My wife, I do, but that's, you know what I'm saying. When I hear Michael Bolton, oh, I just want to be a better man. <laughs> Don't judge me, gentlemen. I see your faces. You're like, Michael Bolton's a dork. No. Here's the Michael Bolton challenge. I want to give it to you right now. I'll show you the power of music. You go and you download back on my feet again. And if you can sit through that whole song without goosebumps, then I question that you're a human. <laughs> Gonna break these chains around me. I'm gonna learn to fly again. Might be hard, might be hard, but I'll do it when I'm back on my feet again, right? Don't clap for me. Some of you got goosebumps hearing a horrible singer sing that song. <laughs> Michael Bolton challenge. There's something so powerful, Red Rocks Church, that takes place with music. It's supposed to score our life. It's supposed to dig the deepest, most beautiful truths of God's word into the deepest parts of our heart so that we actually live them out and believe them. And there's no replacement for it. And this is why Paul, when he's given these amazing implications in Ephesians 1, says, hey, I want this to be set to music. That's the goal. And here's the thing about music in the word of God. You see it all over. I'm just going to scratch the surface for a minute or two. In the word of God, music is not a suggestion. Do you understand that? In the word of God, music is as clear of a command as any command we get. And I want you to understand this, lest that sounds harsh or legalistic. God never in the history of humanity has ever given any one of us a command for any other reason than our joy. Do you understand that? Even commands that on the surface seem difficult, even commands that on the surface when you read them seem inconvenient, even commands that we get in God's word that you can't fully wrap your earthly mind around, you need to understand this about God is every command he gives us is the ultimate purpose is for your joy because you know what your joy equals? Your joy always equals him being glorified every time. And the ultimate thing that God has done this creation thing for is his glory and his glory matters to your joy. And that's what the power of music is. And so we're commanded to do it. Listen to Psalms 89.1. Again, I'm just scratching the surface. It says, I will sing. And you can stop there already. I got to talk about that. I love that it says, I will sing. And you know why? Because almost all times of praise and worship for most people start as a choice of your will. And most people don't understand that. And because we live in a society that places authenticity and being genuine at the highest of all things, the highest of all forms of character in our society right now is being authentic, right? And so what happens in a lot of churches is people come in and if, if they're not having a good week or if, if they don't feel like this has been their best week with God or if you feel like maybe you've backslid a little bit or you, you and God have taken a step backwards or you, you fell into some sin this week, well, then, th then you think you're doing God right by stepping back during worship and going, well, I forfeited the right to be authentic in this and God wants authentic worship and so I'm not going to be able to worship during this time. And can I just tell you 
what a lie from the enemy that is? It's a choice of the will. There's so many Sundays that I come and I can't wait to worship and I can't wait to sing and there is an equal amount of Sundays. Ready, pastor telling on himself. There's an equal amount of Sundays that I come to church and I don't feel a thing. And the spoils of the kingdom of God, Red Rocks Church, go to people that understand this principle. I will sing the steadfast love forever. Steadfast love of the Lord forever. Why? Because God's steadfast love never changes depending on what you're feeling in the moment. You always have something to sing about because God's steadfast love is always happening, whether you feel it or not. So what I'm getting at is you can always sing genuinely. No matter what you walk to any, into any of our campuses with. It goes on to say, with my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Psalms 111 verse 1 says, praise the Lord, exclamation point. That's a command, not a suggestion. I'm going to praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord, and I love this because I'm a passionate person. Hope you guys know that by now. I'm a passionate person. With my what? With my whole heart, with every ounce of being, with my mind, intellectually. God, you get my worship. It's a great, that's why sometimes there's some songs that are written with such intellectual beauty and such dynamic wording, and we should celebrate that. We should sing that and love that. Why? Because we're worshiping God with our whole heart, and part of our heart is our mind, but it's also our will. When it says, I'll worship God with my whole heart, that means I will will myself to sing to God regardless of what I'm going through and regardless of what I'm feeling because on my worst day, he's always worthy. I always have something to sing about, right? It's not just your mind. It's not just your will. This is my favorite part because passionate people are emotive. It's your emotions. Emotions get a really bad rap in our society, right? Because they can, they can send such wrong messages for you to act upon. But can I tell you, if there's ever a time where God wants us to be emotive and he wants us to be fired up and he wants us to be engaged and he wants us to shout and clap and dance and cry and mourn and weep, it's in times of praise and worship. That's where we get to, we get to let loose with our whole heart. And it says this, ready? This is going to challenge some of you. It doesn't just say, I'm going to do that in my prayer closet. Listen to what it says. In the community of the upright is where I'm going to worship with my whole heart. It says, in the congregation, I'm going to worship God with my whole heart. And I know some of you are freaking out because you're going, well, I'm not wired that way. I'm very shy and I'm very timid and I'm very meek and that's good. Me and God are good with this, you know, and there's a time for this for all of us, even loud mouths like me. There's a time for, for that. But what it's saying is, no, 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 this isn't a wiring issue. This isn't a personality issue. This isn't a stylistic issue. This is a command from God because there's something that God does to your emotions and your mind and your will when you cut loose and you just surrender everything to him in praise and worship. It's a gift to us. The very last book of Psalms, which is a whole book set to music, says this. Praise the Lord, exclamation point. Praise God where? In his sanctuary, with people. The earth is his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him, I love this one. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. And we're in Colorado, so I have to contextualize that. That's not, okay? Pipe, pipe. Okay, yeah, I have to. We're in Colorado. It's my job. <laughs> Praise him with sounding cymbals. You ready for this? Some of you aren't going to like this one. Praise him with four-letter cuss word for some of you in church, loud. 
Yeah, come on. With loud clashing cymbals. You know there's a time to get loud. Can I let you in on a secret? I'm not loud music guy. And our church is kind of loud music church. And you go, well, Chad, can't you do something about that? I can, and I won't. And here's why. Worship isn't about me. It's not about my style. It's not about my preference. It's not about my genre. It's not about the good old days. I celebrate the good old days, but I celebrate what God's doing now with this young generation as well. Worship at the end of the day is getting past everything and rising up in the choice of your will to bring glory and to bring honor to God. It goes on to say this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know what that means? And I'm gonna talk about this to wrap it up. If you're breathing right now, at all of our campuses, I want you to listen. God behind bars, you need to hear this. If you're breathing right now, you qualify to praise the creator of the universe. I don't care what the enemy tries to tell you when you walk through these doors. You qualify to praise. We've got some amazing worship pastors at our church, and I want you to hear from them. Watch this. Is it possible and reverent that we could be ministers to God? Like that's what he had the priests ultimately do was cultivate an atmosphere to send an aroma back to him that was sweet smelling. He is the only one on planet Earth that that can be in it for his glory and it not be offensive or prideful. We're at our absolute best when, when we're here for his glory. I think what I pray for and I hope for is that in that time of worship, because I really believe that like worship is like lifting up just truth, like who he is, like in a faith response, like maybe something we don't feel yet or we don't maybe believe to be true yet. And I was reading this book this time and it, it was like a pastor um, that was like kind of sitting out in the congregation like as worship was going on and he talked about knowing this man's story that was in the crowd and like how in that moment like that was probably the one time all week that he wasn't being hit with like a million lies and he was believing truth and like he was being healed in that moment when I get up to lead or like to worship or whatever that's like my heart for the congregation is that like whatever was spoken in the message that they're able to like believe that, respond, sing the words to these songs, like in faith and in truth, and like whatever lies are coming at them, like can be silenced. And as they lift up like truth over their lives, that that would become their reality, you know? There's a lot of times where I don't know what to say to God, or I don't know how I feel about something. And we'll start singing a worship song and it's like a reminder, you know, it's like when we're singing, you know, you are good. Well, maybe that day I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel that way. But you start to sing that, you start to remind yourself of the truths that He's shown you in your life. And um, I don't know, it's, it's this thing that kind of points you back to what you know that you believe at your core, even at some of the points when you're questioning. Like I've often said, worship is the thing that, that got me through some of the most difficult times in my life. I would lock myself in my room and play guitar with the Hillsong for like two or three hours a day um, when I was younger. You know Hillsong? I know Hillsong. <laughs> uh, Hello, it's Jeremy Camp. No, no. I... So can I ask you a question based yeah. on that? Because um, I love it. The, your, your passion for worship, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of got birthed out of you losing your dad. Yeah. And like it was a hideaway. It was like a haven for you, right? In the midst of a, just all hell breaking loose. Absolutely. I can't imagine, what were you, 10 years old, 11 years old? I was 12. 12 years old, losing your dad. And you said, I remember, because we talked about before, you would just lock yourself in and start playing guitar and singing. And so yeah. that's the power of worship right there. It was 
it was medicine to a hurt heart. Absolutely, it's just his, it's his presence. It really wasn't me doing anything. It's just entering into his presence and then him just kind of ministering to me. I've been thinking a lot about just like the importance of corporate worship and like studying more, reading more. Like what's the point of coming here with a thousand people if we can just be in our prayer closet and you know, um, the bride of Christ, like the church is called the bride. And I am not the bride of Christ, like you are not, but corporately we are. And what does a bride and a groom have? They have intimacy, they have connection that is not shared elsewhere. And so just thinking about that, like what what worship serves, it's, it's for him, but he loves to lavish his love back on his bride. And so I think the goal of every single weekend experience is to create a space where we can hear his voice clearly and experience his love. It's more than just being, you know, wired to like music, but it's just a vehicle to really experience intimacy with him. So I feel like we forget that we're children of God and that we still like we still have like a need that's like and unless we reach out for him, we're not gonna move to that next place. We're not gonna move from glory to glory. Um, it maybe doesn't have to be like a tangible reaching up, but I do wanna see that. Like I want people to know that like, um, that that posture is important. I'd love for them to feel empowered and encouraged to have that freedom to respond yeah. because I think people don't know that they have that freedom. They don't, they don't wanna stand out, um, whether that be for one reason or the other, but like that's what that time is for. Like. Yeah. Respond. Mm -hmm. Respond to God. There's been so many times when I'm on stage, and maybe I'm maybe I'm in one of those times when I'm like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it or whatever. And I'll look out and I'll see somebody just wholeheartedly going after it. And that'll that'll bring me into worship because it's like, man, I don't know what he's going through. It doesn't matter. He's just he's leading me into worship. She's leading me into worship. I can't say it enough. To me, we, I've done my job if I can back away from the mic and people just sing. I'd love to see like all the campuses like singing so loud together and it's like there's a community there. It's like, oh, these are my brothers and sisters. Like I know that she's struggling. I know that he's struggling. But like he's still lifting his voice. He's like singing out. I'm going to join him. And in that is like, oh, I'm understood. Like I, I'm part of something. I'm, I belong to a family. I belong. We're, we're all the bride. We're all together. Um, and there's just there's just power of of joining with people and saying like hey let's let's do this together let's lift up Jesus together. Uh, before we continue on in the message, we just wanted to take a moment and praise God together, and we chose to do it right here because. Um, we want to remind us, we want to remind you that it's not a stage, it's not a person on a stage, it's not a certain song that we sing that we worship. We worship the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ himself. And so if you would stand with us, we'd love to sing this old hymn and proclaim how great our God is. Let's sing how great. Thy hand hath made 
worship is never not an option. Um, God has cleared the way for it to always be for you, no matter where you're at. If you're on a high, how can you not shout and clap and praise and dance and jump? And if you're if you're at the lowest of lows, um, you, we lament with song. It's healing. It's beautiful. It's it's um, one of the healthiest things to do is get your eyes off yourself. I think often the thing that gets in our way is the people we come to church with, like a husband and a wife coming to church. The wife knows what the husband said earlier that day or earlier that week, and he knows, and so he is taking a position of, I'll just sit here and I'll listen, but because she's here, she she's seen me at my worst. She saw me at my worst earlier this week. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to enter in. Well, really, it's almost like God's, if we could hear him, I feel like what he'd be saying is no, like, that's the exact opposite. Like, because of that, come to me. Yeah, yeah. lean into me. I love that. Those have been some of my, like, my favorite moments of worship, um, like, with Andrew and I, because, like, you know, you just know each other, and sometimes you said the wrong thing at the wrong time, like right before, you know, a, a worship setting. And I just, I feel like that's one thing that like Andrew does well, that like, um, it's brought a lot of like healing to us and in like just specific moments, like big or small, just to watch him like anyways, like lift up his hands in worship, or I feel like he's like leading me that way too. So I would love to see that, like, I would love to see Nothing wrecks me more than when I look, like genuinely, when I look out and see like the man of the house, like yes. all in. It's the irony of the kingdom because the, a lot of what worship looks like in the church setting would, a, a guy would just walk in who's never been in and think he'd have to lose his man card to worship the way we do it. And the more you understand the kingdom, the more you realize you, you're not at a stronger place of strength and courage than a man who's holding up his hands in surrender to God, yeah. especially around his family. Mm-hmm. It's not like, all right, I'm just gonna come and lift my hands every Sunday and like, that's all that I ever, like, no, I'm, I'm partaking in communion with him. I'm taking hold of his character and you're leading me from this, this phase to this phase to this, like, and that's just an outward expression, but like ultimately that shows like, I'm submitting all of who I am to you. Like, you can do whatever you want. It's funny because like I feel like that word submission gets a has like a pejorative connotation, but it's it's not. Like I think guys hear submission and they think of a guy tapping out, you know, and uh, I can't. But like submission just means to be like under the mission of, you know? And so when I think about being submitted to God, it doesn't mean like God has wrestled me into submission. It means like I'm recognizing that I'm under the mission of God. It kind of contextualizes your week to just like, okay, well whatever's going to happen in this week I'm under his mission. He's got it. It's his will. One of the things I want our church to know most is you qualify to worship always. As long as God remains worthy, you've got something to sing about. Like my hope for people is like that they just, they know that God meets them wherever they are. Like they don't have to to come in um, and be someone they're not or like try to have everything all together. And we talked about this, but um, just being vulnerable with the Lord in worship, I think, is is big. I was um, I was looking at Scarlett, um, our youngest daughter, and um, she she was looking up at me, and she was sitting there on the ground, and she raised her hands up to me, mm-hmm. and this was like the first indication that she really has, besides crying, to me, 
that she wants me, that she needs me, and that she wants me to hold her, you know? And she, babies, like, instinctively do this thing, you know? And they hold their arms up, and you come, and you, and you pick them up, and you hold them. And, and it was funny, because I just, like, I had this realization, I think God kind of, you know, gave it to me, and that that's kind of, in a small way, what we're doing when we do this, you know? Um, instinctually, she knows, like, when she wants or needs her dad or her mom, she does this, you know? And I think that instinct is still there. It says in his, in his word, approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can find the help we need, like, when we need it, it's timely. And so, like, you think of your daughter, like, when she reaches up to you, like, she, she gets what she needs. And then, I mean, she's only a baby, but I'm sure, like, she just feels fulfillment. And, like, yeah, I, I just love the dance it kind of is with the Lord, like, when we lift up ourselves and um, have that posture of worship and just total surrender. And he's just like, okay, now I can come in and do my work that I need to do, you know? And as a dad, when she does that, I, I never like want to see her like this and just walk away from it <laughs> and just go, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like my heart, when I see her do that is, I pick her up 100% of the time. 100% you know. Yeah. Hundred percent of the time. I came home from work this morning and my youngest son Cruz, little one year old, was Frankensteining towards the door to come see me. And the most natural instinct was dad's home and he lifts up his arms. And I, I couldn't even I don't even have to think, I don't have to process. The most natural fatherly instinct is you just you just come down and you pick him up and you bring him to your level. And you hug them and you hold them and you look them in the eyes and you reaffirm, I'm home, I'm here. This is a good thing, right? That's why you came and put your arms up. And, and, and gentlemen, I want to speak to you for a minute specifically, only because God put this so strongly on my heart. I'm not picking on you. Come on, I is one of you, all right? Let, let me speak to us for a minute. Let me speak to us for a minute. I, I said it in that video and I want to say it again. Don't ever buy into the lie that when you are wholeheartedly surrendered in musical worship, in the midst of brothers and sisters, that you are weak. There was a guy who was called a man after God's own heart. And he wrote almost every Psalm that you'll read in your Bible. And this guy played a harp. Doesn't seem like the most manly thing to do, correct? The, the, the fingers he would use to strum that harp were also used to rip a bear in half. Go read his bio, go read his story. With those hands, he killed a lion and he killed a bear. And I know, man, we think of these hands and we think of, we think of power and we think of protection. And we look at our hands and we think of provision. And those are, those are masculine terms that were proud of and that God in the deepest core of who we are, he designed us with those kind of hands, but he also equally designed us to have the spirit of a worshiper and a spirit of a surrender. This is what made David so powerful. He didn't kill those bears and that lion and eventually uh, uh, an 11-foot giant in the land of Philistine. He didn't kill him because he was just so awesome compared to us. He killed him because he was full of the spirit of the Lord. You understand that? Those hands that were more, like, listen, you read his bio, he's got all of us men in here beat put together when it comes to manliness. This guy, I mean, he was a conquistador. He took nation after nation after nation. He's one of the most powerful men to ever walk the face of the earth. 
And do you know at one point, you can again go back and read about it, at one point he was so fired up and wholeheartedly submitted in the presence of God that it said he danced himself out of his clothes. And we don't want that at church. Our security will probably come and talk you into reclothing and maybe heading out to the foyer. But listen to me. His wife at one point called him on it and was like, dude, you're one of the, I'm paraphrasing here, you're one of the most powerful men in the world. You need to calm it down. You're a dignitary, David, and you're dancing yourself stupid, singing all these Hebrew songs that half of us don't even know what you're talking about. And you know what David looks back at her? He looks, and don't do this often, men, but he did this. He said, woman, don't rarely ever do that. If ever, if ever. He said, woman, though, he said, I'll even become more undignified than this if it's for the glory of my Lord. You hear that, gentlemen? That's the type of men we want at Red Rocks Church. Powerful, worshiping, surrendered men. And listen to me, and this is men and women. You qualify. Men and women at God Behind Bars, please listen to me because I can't imagine the mind games you always must have. You qualify to passionately and wholeheartedly worship right now at your service. I don't care what you walked into that service with. You qualify. If Ephesians chapter one has taught us one thing, it at least has to be this. You qualify, and it's not because of you. It's because of God's awesome glory shining through you, his image bearer. And the minute that you were born again, when you worship, God doesn't see what your wife saw on the way to church. God knows everything, ladies, that your husband or future husband knows about you, the darkest parts of you, even more than your husband knows about you. And he still invites you to approach his throne of grace with confidence, to worship and to receive mercy in your time of need. This is the goodness of God who has paid the price for our sins. This is the birthright of worship we have. And we wanted to end this series just celebrating God and getting our eyes off ourselves. right? The writer of Hebrews said it best. Fix your eyes on Jesus, not you, not yourself, not what you walked in with. The, the wholest, most strong and healthy you will ever be is when your eyes are not on you, but when they're on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We're going to celebrate that in communion today. For the joy set before him endured the cross, it said, scorning his shame. And it says, now he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such sinful opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There is no thing, no place, no hobby, no activity that you could do right now at any of our campuses. Believe me when I say this, there is nothing you could do that can cultivate a stronger, healthier more at rest soul, which is what God wants for you. Then if at all of our campuses right now, we will stand and we're gonna sing some songs. And those lyrics are suggestions, but you are free to take those lyrics wherever you wanna go. You're free, the psalmist said, to sing to the Lord a, a new song. And he wasn't talking to the worship leaders. He's saying, you can sing to God whatever song you want. And we don't care. One of the reasons we play it so loud is because we don't want you to have to care how you sound or the person next to you sounds. We don't want you to be hindered by that, right? Listen, the, the most off-pitch person at our campus, any campus, is beautiful in the ears of God. If my little kid, and we're all little kids in God's economy, if my little kid sings off-pitch, it may be annoying to you, but to their father, it is the most beautiful sound on planet Earth because they bear my image. Not my pitch, but my image. Right? 
you want to please and glorify the heart of the Father, there's nothing we could do better right now than what we're about to do. Will you guys stand? I'm going to pray and we're going to worship. Heavenly Father, I am so expectant for the faith that's going to rise at our church this weekend. Father God, I'm so expectant for the healing, beautiful work you're going to do. God, there's going to be some people for the first time that heard what Jake had to say about his daughter lifting his hands to her. There's going to be some people for the first time that feel the freedom to lift their hands up to you. And it's not religious. It's not to show off. It's not to, it's to say, will you hold me, dad? I'm a kid who needs help. I'm a kid who needs love. I'm a kid that's excited that you're here. Would you hold me? And in that moment, God is going to do something so powerful. So Holy Spirit, now, would you come and would you sing through us? And would you pray through us? And would you work through us? And God, I pray more than anything, my, my, my biggest prayer would be that you would just sit enthroned, so pleased with the praises of your people. And it's in your name we ask and pray this, Jesus. Amen. At all campuses, with all of our hearts, let's worship.